VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So we've made it to Thursday. Uh, we've made it through a week that has included quite a lot of discussion about knobs and toasts. And in came an email, Jane, mm-hmm. of someone who said that she thinks that we did the whole shebang in our previous incarnation. Uh, this is Zara, who says, regarding toast and toasters, I'm 90% confident uh, that you discovered on your previous podcast that the toast style isn't for toastiness, but for time. I, I could think... be wrong, but often when using the toaster, I think of your chat as I try to remember whether the dial relates to degrees of toastiness or to time, but I'm still unsure. So, I mean, it could well be that our joint collective memory has failed us. Or, oh, Zara, it might have been on somebody else's podcast, in which case, uh, I'm sorry if this is a yeah. theme of many Terrible. podcasts, <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> that certainly lacks originality. Uh, But I don't know. Sometimes I find it very difficult to remember what I did last week, uh, let alone six years ago. So I will just put that in as my caveat. Who are you? (laughs) Increasingly, I just don't know, she said enigmatically. Um, I am grateful to uh, New Molden Mum, who's a regular um, correspondent on Twitter, actually. And uh, she she said this this morning uh, after she'd heard yesterday's podcast when we were talking about the email from uh, a listener who um, who had a peculiar school rule, which meant that you couldn't access the salad bar unless you were in, was it the fifth? I think the fifth form. Yeah, the fifth form. Yep. So, I mean, utterly, utterly, so year 11, utterly ridiculous. Um, anyway, um, New Malden Mum says, our salad bar opened midway through my time at secondary school, circa 1988. It was called the Herbie Bar, and it was opened by the headmaster, a giant carrot who was Herbie, and Michael Lavelle, who played Kevin Webster from Coronation Street. I'm I'm sort of moderately jealous because we didn't ever have a single celebrity visitor to my school. Did you? No. And we once had a fleet admiral come and talk to us (laughs) about uh, careers, I think because uh, the fleet admiral was related to somebody who was at the school. And I do remember lots of us, uh, I mean, there were 600 girls there and this was back in the kind of early 1980s. I remember quite a few of us trudging out of the hall just going, what's the likelihood that we're going to make it to be fleet admiral? Uh, So, I mean, it was interesting. But then then don't forget Princess Anne listened to my oboe. That's right, yes, So that's as close as I can get to celebrity. it might explain why she sometimes looks as though she's got a bit of a cob on. Oh, don't be so nasty. She's still thinking about it. I used to practice so hard, Jane. I mean, it's quite funny looking back on it now, but for many, many, many years, that is what I thought I'd end up doing, is playing the oboe in an orchestra. I would say, if you've never played, did you ever play in an orchestra? No. No. So there's something unbelievable about it. 
I'd just be sincere and no, serious I mean, about I, I it. Can well be, I, I think sometimes, although I'm not a big fan of classical music, I love to be in the presence of a classical music being played by a full orchestra. When you're in amazing. the orchestra and yeah. it starts and you know that you've got uh, you know, three movements to get through, you are part of the most extraordinary team. And it doesn't matter. I mean, the oboe doesn't often come up as, uh, you know, you don't get really big parts in no. very, very few symphonies. Um, but which composer is kindest and most generous to the oboe? Oh, God, good question. Well, I think probably Bach has quite a lot of oboe going down. Um, but sometimes you'll get a haunting melody mm. somewhere in the slow movement. But that but that's, you know, it doesn't matter what you're playing. You're just part of this thing. It's like a beast when you start and you're all doing the same thing in the same moment and it is quite a feeling i would highly recommend it jane you could take it up late in life well i i would love to be able to play an instrument quite seriously i can see you on the uh, timpani section no i want to be like everybody else who can't play an instrument i just want to be able to twang a guitar and peer into the distance and then write really really mournful songs about how terrible my life is and, well, then, and then make a fortune yeah put them up on tiktok yeah well, absolutely what, away not tiktok <laughs> Well, we're still allowed to use TikTok here. It's just the government. But should we be? No, we shouldn't. Probably not. No. Sorry, I was distracted there because <laughs> the, um, I'm in a WhatsApp group with my mum and my sister. My mum's just said, are going, out, are going out now, Irish stew is at 5.30, followed by waking Ted and stout. Now, I my sister then said, code. The world's going to end, Ted. everybody. <laughs> She hasn't replied to what's waking Ted? What what's that what could that possibly be a typo for? She's going out for Irish stew at five thirty. Waking Ted and Stout. I mean it's St Patrick's celebration, presumably. Anyway. Uh Ted, wake up. Must be that. Perhaps uh you know, they're in sheltered housing. Perhaps one of the older guys is called Ted. Maybe she's got more news than you think. Good grief. <laughs> Over sixty years she's been with my father. I suppose anything could happen. <laughs> Hello, Ted. Uh, this is quite funny, actually. A couple of you have noticed this, that are some adverts uh, that appear at the beginning and possibly in the middle of the podcast. Uh, and it will make sense why it's funny when I read out this from Kirsty, who says, am I the only person who sniggers every time you do the Hilton ad and talk about how you hate being hit by an unexpected fee? <laughs> <laughs> And when that went out, I did think, yeah, that's a bit weird. There'll be an unexpected Jane along next oh, week. Oh, gosh, chance to be a fine thing. <sighs> Have you got the email about weddings? Uh, I can find it. If you could find one to I'm do... I'm going to do another one then. And because, then I'll find the weddings. Well. Um, we really enjoyed yesterday's big guest, who is Roma Agrawal, the structural engineer. And Irene has emailed to say, my daughter, now 30, uh, did engineering at Cambridge. Uh, she did structural engineering, worked for over two years for a top London design firm. She wasn't treated the same as the men who started on the same day. They were paid two grand more than her. Complaints about harassment by a male team member were not dealt with. All five women in the team of 15 left. My daughter went to the Netherlands and completed another master's. Construction management and engineering. Then she, oh, that was at the Technical University in Delft. She now works for a UK company as a project engineer, building and setting up a factory near Schiphol Airport. She says women engineers are treated better there because 30% of Dutch engineers are women. That's enough that going into a meeting, they don't say, you're in the wrong room, dear. Once, when sitting about waiting for a meeting in London, she knows not why, and they would say, we're waiting for the engineer. And she would have to say, she's here. 
Um, Irene, thank you for that. Irene goes on to say that her son's an occupational therapist. Uh, changing topics to those NHS health careers you aren't quite sure what they do. My son works with children with special needs. They are not all arranging fitting handrails for people at home, although some of them do that, um, points out Irene. And of course, that's valuable work. The old handrails are extraordinarily important at um, various stages in people's lives. Um, Irene, thank you. And I'm, I'm glad that your daughter is, is um, doing so well. Just a shame she had to go to the Netherlands to do it. But there we are. Can we say a very quick hello to Alan, who sent us a lovely email, and I think you've had a really tough time recently, Alan, and if we have made you chortle even just the once, or maybe just taken you out of yourself for the odd half an hour, uh, then we are more than happy to have done that, and obviously I hope you're uh, on the way to a full recovery. Right, here we go. This is anonymous, but I think it's an email that will get people thinking okay. and talking. Are you ready? Yes. I am 30, says our anonymous listener, and I've been with my boyfriend for just over nine years. We've spoken about marriage previously, but have in the past agreed to prioritise other things. My dad passed away when I was 21, and I've always been reluctant to think about a wedding due to the fact that it would force me to confront the absence of his presence. I'd always thought I would eventually have a wedding and go all out with the dress, friends and family, live music, and knew that when the time came, I'd ask my uncle, my dad's brother, to walk me down the aisle. My uncle has become even more dear to me since my dad passed. Not only has he given me a huge amount of love, support and security, he's also been there to share tales of my dad and, in a way, keep his memory very much alive. But I found out last month that he has terminal cancer and it's safe to say that his time is limited. I'm focusing on ensuring that we enjoy the time he has left, but the wedding issue has become even more pertinent. And now I don't know if I should rush to organise the wedding that I'd previously envisaged or do something more scaled down with just a few people. I've asked my friends and they've all given me very different advice. Equally, my mum and mother-in-law-to-be aren't that enthusiastic about a big day. They're both extremely practical and think it's a waste of money. So from your experience, do weddings really matter? Should I just do a small wedding? I have to admit, I think there is a small, vain part of me wanting people to see me look nice in a white dress and the excitement of a big party that is finding it harder to imagine a smaller day. Will I regret not doing this? Well, we're here to help. Over to you first, Jane. Well, anonymous. I think it really is what you want. And if you do want your big day in the big dress, if that's really, really what you had in your head as what your wedding would be like, why not do it? What's wrong with it? Well, I don't think anything's wrong with it at all. I suppose what you just have to factor in is that arranging a big wedding mm. is no small order and she's it got to do it quickly will take over a lot of your life and lots of other people's actually and my worry would be that your uncle isn't well enough to then walk you down the aisle and that would be a strain for him he becomes more unwell and you know doesn't make it and I'm sorry to say that but this is something that you probably have thought as well and then perhaps you'd feel guilty that you'd spent so much time arranging the wedding. So I really, really understand your dilemma. And although I'd agree with Jane, if there's something inside you that pictures that day, that's so beautiful. And that's such an enormous part of who you are and celebrating your love for somebody else and all of that. 
So I think that's a really, really tricky one. And actually, I don't have any kind of definitive well, yes, advice I, about I it. I should have said it's up to what Anonymous and Anonymous's partner really wants as well. It's, it's the two of them. It's their really significant day. And if they'd be happy with... Well, it's what, about what they'd be happy with. I mean, you could also throw into the mix, could her mum not give her away? Um, you know, I've seen that done. And um, it's very... Why not? <laughs> Come on. No, I suppose there's um, no reason why not. But I guess if you've got in your... If you've had a little thing in your mind's eye that because your dad's not there, but your uncle has really stepped up to the plate mm. as, you know, that kind of paternal figure, then you'd want it to be him. And maybe it would then be inexorably sad if you had a big wedding and your uncle wasn't there. Can I just say something from experience, which is not me giving advice about this at all, because I think that is actually a very, very complicated set of circumstances that other people, our listeners, might have more thoughtful things to say. But in in the moment, uh, if you love somebody and you're imagining the rest of your life together, that kind of big wedding thing I don't think is actually that important. I think having the opportunity maybe further down the line to have a really big party when there isn't so much time pressure on you can be a really hugely enjoyable thing. And that lovely moment when you are promising yourself to somebody and they're promising themselves to you, it's, it's a little bit of magic. You don't, it's, you, I think you can't imagine it until you're in it. And, and I don't think you do need lots and lots of people to witness that, actually. So, I think you need the right people to witness yeah. it, Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, from my own experience, my, um, my sister, she won't mind me saying this, had, um, had a wedding in a register office with um, very, very few people there. So her husband's mum and dad, our mum and dad, me, um, my youngest daughter, who was wearing um, a Snow White dress, and I was extraordinarily heavily pregnant. I think I was about eight and a half months pregnant, so I could hardly stand... I'm not at my best when I'm heavily pregnant, it has to be said. <laughs> there are no pictures of the occasion. I think there are almost literally no no pictures of this occasion. Anyway, they're still very happily married. Uh, and I had quite a big wedding and I got divorced. But but I need I need to say I love my wedding day and I often think very fondly of it. So, you know, you can't... Um, it's not... It's well, If only it was simple to answer yeah. this question. But I think it's so brave of you to tell us your story. And I think maybe the, the point of doing that is because somebody listening to our podcast will have a much closer experience of what you're going through at yes, the moment. Yes, and someone will know. Yeah, and yeah. we'll be able to just say something uh, that you and I can't say because Ooh. we weren't in those circumstances. No. Although actually my dad had died uh, by the time... Um, I got married and I did miss him enormously, on the enormously yeah. on the day. So it was actually incredibly helpful to not be having a huge wedding where I would feel the lack of his presence. So, you know, there was a registry office wedding, which was absolutely lovely, followed by a very comedic, uh, chauffeur-driven drive around town uh, with uh, on our way to our wedding lunch. It was only, you know, with my a couple of best friends and my kids. Uh, and the guy pitched up at the house uh, and he said, I'm sorry, you can't get in the car unless you've got cash. And I said, look, it's on my, it's my wedding sake. day. I haven't got any cash. You can't get in the car if you haven't got cash. So he had to drive me around to the cash the machine. The cash point. <laughs> in my car. <laughs> a romance. Nice touch. But anyway, we had a much bigger party further down the line, which kind of ticked those two boxes. But I am now divorced. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, 
<laughs> don't include that bit. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, no, but it's true. So you need someone who's yes, you got do. your Listen, experience. We're here because we're authentic, <laughs> so we have to include these details. But anonymous, I, the one thing I would say is please, 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 don't get yourself into a whirling ball of tension about this because the wedding day it can become all-consuming, and it's the rest of your married life you've really got to focus on. It. Trust us, it really is. Um, so yes, have a great day, but please don't over-focus on something that is just one day in your life and for heaven's sake don't get into debt no. because they're so expensive it's they ridiculous are. and i think actually you've done both of us an enormous favor there because uh, we are now no longer going to be offered a column in weddings monthly <laughs> i think it's highly unlikely can we do uh, st paddy's day please yes we can elaine has emailed to say i thought it was time to get my st patrick's day greetings in as your off air on fridays well not this week of course we've got a bonus edition from the women of the world festival thank you for allowing me to mention that uh, when i lived in the u.s and paddy's day came round, everyone went into work wearing an item of green there were green donuts in the canteen and indeed the rivers in the irish immigrant bastions of chicago and boston are actually dyed green and elaine has included a photo i mean it's just unbelievable um, with environmentally friendly dye apparently now although the irish american vote is not as potent as it once was u.s politicians are always keen to prove their irish connections but nothing surpassed the excitement when a genealogist genealogist traced barack obama's family tree and discovered that his great 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 grandfather did indeed come from a village in County Offaly called Moneygall. Uh, the then Taoiseach issued an invite to visit the place, which was duly accepted. You might recall that visit took place in May 2011, when Obama met his eighth cousins, shook the hand of everybody in the village, had a Guinness in the pub with Michelle, and generally caused delight, not least with his speech. My name is Barack Obama of the Moneygall Obamas. I've come home to find the apostrophe that we've lost along the way, which is brilliant. Uh, so thank you very much for that and a happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. He is one of the funniest uh, orators, isn't he, in the business? Well, he is man. apparently rather a coal fish, IRL. No, don't no, say I'm, that. So they say. No. So they say. Yeah, uh, that's what I've listened. I've listened to other podcasts, not just this one. And, no, um, he politics seems to have got a lovely twinkle in his eye and he says very funny things. Well, I think he's got great speech writers because that is a good line. Yeah. I'm always sad when you cut somebody down. I'm sorry. I hate to do it. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you actually really like? It's a tough one. Just this, we're on mother-in-laws and we shouldn't be. Uh, when I first met my mother-in-law, says Emma, her opening line was good. You've got decent childbearing hips. You'll need them. His head nearly broke me. I am now pregnant after four years of not being able to conceive. Within the utter joy that I'm feeling, there is still a stark warning looming in the background okay emma first of all congratulations put that out of your mind just it just because it happened to your mother-in-law there's absolutely no guarantee of any sort it's going to happen to you yeah and cesareans are available yeah but good luck and, and congratulations now if you watch tv in the 80s and 90s you'll have very fond memories of our big interview today it was with annika rice uh, I, I defy anybody not to now be... Are you all right? What's happened? Just trapped in some wiring. Go on. Okay. Get on. Yeah. I do, no, don't be rude. Don't. Were you about to say get, get on, on with it? it. Uh, I defy anybody... Honestly, these working conditions. Ed Vasey, by the way, is going to be my co-pilot for the week that you're away in April. Uh, 
uh, what was I saying? The jumpsuit, the helicopter, Dave the sound man, uh, all of those things I think come to mind when you say Annika Rice because of her six seasons of Challenge Annika, which were on a different channel. The new ones, the revamp, is on Channel 5, Saturday My 5, night. Saturday night, 10 yeah. to 9. Uh, she came in to see us today and we began by asking her if she's one of Jeremy Hunt's economically inactive older people being lured back into the workforce to pay more tax. It didn't come, it wasn't an idea that came from me. And when people say you're lured back, remember, challenge for me never sort of goes away because I'm still involved with all these projects. I'm very actively involved with some of them, like the Romanian project. So I'm still ticking away quietly, you know, behind the scenes. Um, and it's just that suddenly TV companies um, started approaching me and going, you know, and I, out of nowhere. So I had various chats along the lines and various broadcasters wanted me to come on with a comedian or a co-presenter or whatever and it just never quite sat right and then darling Ben Frow at Channel 5 just went I just want the programme as it is and it was just so refreshing because there was just no you know there was just no frills about it he just said it works it's a lovely format um, bring it back and it just tied in with a conversation I was having with uh, Monica McDade who was the school teacher from Solihull who set us the Romanian challenge 30 years ago and I've kept in touch with and that project's just sort of gone on for 30 years and these orphans as they were are now young adults living in these sort of halfway houses that the, the charity we set up have built for them anyway and that these halfway houses and these very damaged children mostly because they had such a tough start in life you know tethered cots and uh, no hot water no electricity um they where they, the charity, our charity, has now built these halfway houses, happens to be on the border with Ukraine. And so Monica just told me that refugees were coming from Ukraine and I mustn't call them orphans because they're now in their 30s, but they were giving up their beds to the refugees. And it was just such a sort of humanitarian art that it just made me absolutely... I was polaxed by the whole thought of that. And so when you know, Ben and Channel 5 came forward, it just sort of hit me that that moment where I thought, gosh, that programme, it is worth doing because actually, apart from the TV side of it, you're you're building a project, you're creating something. And are so, any of the challenges in this series quite as ambitious as those original uh, ones back in the uh, 80s and 90s? So ambitious that we just didn't nearly finish them, literally by weeks, but we, we show all that because <laughs> we're filming in a recession apart from anything else and if anyone who's tried to get some builders to fix something in their kitchen knows, you know, A, a there's no materials because of Brexit and B, there's no builders. You know, all the, the company's gone into administration. All those things, it was the story of now. We were trying to do these very ambitious projects, but with the most wonderful charities, I have to say, like a, like a food hub with a cafe and a uh, big teaching kitchen. Who knew that the word... Mm food bank or food hub would be in our bank vocabulary 30 years ago. So, you know, it's really interesting, that arc of social history. And, and are history. people still as willing to get involved and to, to be lured into it just as passers-by? <laughs> totally. That was what was so touching. And people would just come up and sort of stroke Dave the Soundman's arm, you know, an utter nostalgia fest. And there was one... Dave. <laughs> Dave, I mean, everyone just loves him so much. I don't get a look in it. You don't get, I thought you were going to say I don't get along with him. But that wasn't quite what you said. I can't no. stand that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was one guy. There's a guy called Ronnie Graham who was a 
10-year-old when we did challenge in Balna Hinch in Northern Ireland and he sat watching us build this this creation and thought that's what I want to do when I grow up I want to I want to build something that rises out of the dust like that and he was the architect on our food hub program oh wow how bizarre and that happened so much with all the programs that we can't even put it all in the program because it just sounds like a nostalgia fest mm. There's no time for anything else if we put all those bits There in. are some... We've only been allowed to see the very first episode, Annika, but there are there's some very self-deprecating bits where you ring people up and they, they haven't heard of haven't, Challenge Annika. I've got a clue. <laughs> I've got a clue. Have you heard of Challenge Annika? No. 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 I, I say, how old are you? 30. Right, is there anyone slightly older on the switchboard today? <laughs> take my call you know know, that's the glorious thing about it um you know a lot of people came along because they they watched they're my age and they watched and want to come and you know get involved and then there were people who would patently grandchildren (laughs) people our age but it was sort of glorious it was just glorious i have to say as you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Annika Rice. Annika Rice is our guest this afternoon. Why do we just laugh when we see each other? I don't know. But you're right, Jane's having some guffaws over there, and I'm not sure what that's about. Hearty guffaws. During the commercial break, she guffawed me out of the room, practically. What's going on? Do you get a bit annoyed or upset about continual references to your age? Oh, look, it's a 60-something woman on television. It is is always the tagline, isn't it? I know there's been a lot of publicity, and it is sort of... But actually, um, as I say, with with my dealings with Channel 5, it's never been mentioned. It's slightly the elephant of the room but no one ever mentions how actually ancient Dave the Sandman <laughs> I laughed. but you know we're still you know the thing is you don't change as you get older I've still got energy and whatever I've, you know we look different you know people have just got to get over that but also do um, you think it is different for women I mean there are loads and loads of 60 something 70 something men uh, just acing it on television there mm. are far fewer women there are far fewer women and I think the real struggle for women is um, holding on to their identity, keeping that intact. And it, it sort of has to subtly change, it seems to be, for women if you want to carry on. I mean, David Attenborough is still abseiling off ice peaks. Talking to Puffins and he's, when he's 97, 97 yeah. or whatever. Um, the Rolling Stones have just had their 60 tour. 
Mm. No, you know, there's a few sort of comments, but on the whole, well, there it's are well some done. comments. Let's be honest. So I think everybody, you know, as you get older, you do, you do get the comments. But I was particularly pleased because uh, Treasure Hunt, uh, the series I did before Challenge, was exactly forty years ago, and Challenge thirty. So it's a lovely bookend to my career. You know, just a, a nice chance to do something. Um, just to tie, to tie up all the yeah. loose ends because there were loose ends with Challenge because it's still, people still talk about it so much so it seemed like there was something there still to, to explore. We have a text in. Um, do you? Yes, Jill Look says. Look at you, Jane. I know. I can Tech. <laughs> Annika, please, I can read out loud. I've been able to, to do that. Well, actually, no, I can't even do that all that well these days. But anyway, uh, Jill says, I live in Annika's hometown of Oxford. Oh. And my friends who knew her as a child and teenager say she's always been a lovely person. Oh. <laughs> Just thought I'd bit of jeopardy there. No, um, a lovely person. No, that's lovely. Thank you for that, Jill. Thank you. Yeah, that's very kind. That's... It's not very controversial, no, but it's interesting, I, it isn't it? Doesn't, yeah. I, there's not a lot more I can give without knowing more about Jill. No, I but mean, it's... Had I known more, but it's a nice start. might give people the idea that you know, there could You're be a bit right. of to and fro with this conversation. Can we um, talk a little bit about your relationship with the BBC? Because it's been up and down over the years, hasn't it? Oh, well, uh, I suppose uh, it was all, you know, I did my training course at the BBC 46 years ago. Mm. So I'm, me and Tony Blackburn must be the two longest serving BBCers in existence. And so you do imagine you might get a bit of a sort of fountain pen at Christmas or mm. some acknowledgement. And, that, you know, it is, it is, has, it is tricky. I mean, the, the worst bit was when I lost my breakfast show on Radio 2 with two weeks' notice, you know, having done it for over ten years. And they, I just got a call from my agent saying, you're not doing it from two weeks' time. And I, and I actually was in a sofa shop at the time, and I remember sitting on the sofa shop and just crying, and I couldn't leave the shop. It was quite embarrassing. Because I was so shocked, because, you know, what people don't realise as employers that... Take, just taking something away very quickly. Mm. Um, you know, that's the structure of your life. That all these structures are really important to people in employment, aren't they? But and did nobody suddenly... from the BBC contact you? No. No, I just heard from my agent. Yeah, no, that was disappointing. So I did lose that. So that was very sad. Mm. But... You know, maybe that maybe that happens everywhere. I don't know. That, I, well, it probably doesn't reflect on me. It was, but I, and then I thought, oh well, that doesn't matter because, of course, what's going to happen is that they're going to give it to maybe a younger feisty woman, and I was all sort of up for that. I thought, fair enough. I've you know, I've been around a long time. That's fine. And then it wasn't. It, you know, it was. It, it went to a, a, a lovely person, Dermot O'Leary, who I absolutely adore. But um, he's many things, but he's not a young, feisty woman. He's not he? a young, feisty no. woman. So that was more the shock, because I did think, oh, fair enough, I, this is fine, how exciting, I, you know, good. Mm. And then it, it wasn't that. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't say that with any malice or upset, really, because it's, it's just what it is, isn't it? And it might happen... To any of us. And do you think that you would handle being a young woman very well had you been born an awful lot later? So let's say you were a 20-something, 30-something at the moment. Mm. Do you think you would have fared well in the social media no. buzz of the world? No, I'm, I'm so oversensitive, it's, it's ridiculous. So I would be absolutely hopeless. I don't even, you know, I, I am on Twitter... And I am on Instagram, but I don't... If you if you look at my followers on Instagram, I follow things like big windows mm, oh, and nice. kitchens. Yeah. I don't want to know what anyone else is doing. I don't want to be part of that competitive 
world. Do you know what, what I mean? people are always having a good time. They're all having such a lovely time in a glass mm. of wine. They've got loads of friends. <laughs> yes. Loads of friends. For that reason, I do follow you too. Yeah, well, don't worry. <laughs> I know very well. I'm going to put that on my gravestone. It was me and big windows. <laughs> but it's an interesting it, no, thing, I, though, isn't it? Because yeah. I think it does uh, add a huge pressure to all of our... Uh, working worlds actually when we don't really necessarily understand all of the technology understand all of those pressures mm. there's a whole other thing oh, we're no. having to conquer my, as well as coming to my work to niece, do the job. I remember I haven't got daughters I had I had I had daughters I might be terrified but actually my sons have just skipped that generation mm. of, of social media hysteria they're almost bookish in their disinterest in that whole world um, but had I you know as you say if I was of a different generation I just don't think I could cope with it. I, you know, I've heard from young girls who, who put up a, something on their social media, Instagram, on their school thing, the big schools with maybe hundreds in their class, and if, if they don't get 100 likes, they literally can't go into class that morning. Uh, you know, and it's really tough. And I work for a charity where I, I, I'm in a call centre talking to people who've got real issues. Oh, my goodness, it, this is such an issue for young people. It's the, terrifying. The self-esteem thing. It's the yeah, self-esteem, the lack of it. Lack of it. Yeah. And, you know, all of us, we just bumbled along in our careers and were very lucky to sort of hit hit moments where we got employed but had no idea whether anyone liked us or not. It just was, was largely irrelevant. It was just you got on with your job, didn't you? Yeah. You are the queen of self-deprecation, though. When we met before and um, we did an interview with you for our previous podcast, uh, you told a hilarious story <laughs> about uh, the way that your waxwork had been melted oh, down yes. when you were no longer yeah. popular enough to form a queue in Madame Two Swords, and you've ended up where? In Wookie Hole? Just the head? Oh, it, 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 it was very funny because I was hanging for quite a long time in the foyer of Madame Tussauds, just swaying gently because I was on a, on a rope ladder. In a jumpsuit. In jump a jumpsuit, suit, of yeah. course, of mm. course. And with headphones on and a map during Treasure Hunt. And then when I had a reincarnation challenge, they just put a paintbrush in my hand and I carried on swaying. <laughs> and Channel 4 came round to talk to me about, um, you know, how what a pre prestige to be you know, put in Madame Tussauds and I stood there rather smugly, I have to say. And then they said, well, how do you feel now you've been melted down? That was the first I'd heard of it. It's a bit like Radio 2 all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing all these things from the wrong people. Well, well actually, BBC we have been called. asked to tell you... No, it's all right. No, you, they, they thought it'd be better if you heard it from us this afternoon, Annick. Yes. Can so, we just share it anyone else? Perhaps? But can we just complete the anecdote? Because otherwise people oh, will yes. be thinking that I've gone mad. Your head ended up in Wookiee <laughs> Wookie, Hole. Well, if you Google Wookiee Hole, you will see these shelves in a cave somewhere off the M5 um, of the decapitated heads from mm. Madame Two Swords. And so I did a whole stand-up, which is on BBC Sounds, uh, called Help My Heads in Wookie Hole because I decided I needed to find that head because I didn't want it just, you know, getting dust next to Ronald Reagan. It made me feel a bit weird. So I went on this search for my head and no-one would tell me where it was. Channel 4, um, Channel 4, uh, Madame Tussauds wouldn't budge. They wouldn't tell me where it was. People had sightings of it. Someone thought it was in an exhibit at Sutton Hoo. <laughs> they just put some sort of different body to my head. Um, oh, do you know what? That would be terrible if you just ended up as yeah. an other peasant in, uh, in a museum. Well, I wouldn't mind. I just sort of vaguely wanted to know. That would be so spooky, though. So you're going along to Sutton Hoo, you're walking past the exhibit. Oh, is that in a Apparently, some are kept just in a pile in, um, black, in the Blackpool 
pulled out. Apparently, there's a storeroom of heads. Oh, this is the and stuff someone, of nightmares. Someone thought they'd see me there with the crankies. At which point, I rang, I rang Madame Tussauds. I've got to know. And then the woman from Channel Four Press, I'm sorry, I keep saying Channel Four, Madame Tussauds Press, just said, "No, I can't tell you where your head is. We never divulge that information. But can I just say, um, I did used to love you on telly, and my daughter loved. And I then thought they've made me into a girl's world. You know, they've got my head." And they're just brushing my hair. She's brushing my hair with her daughter. This is a terrible, It's quite dark, isn't it? It's terrible very, life. very bleak. And we're yeah. beginning to get a, quite an interesting insight into what goes on inside your head. And I, I'm, I know you've done stand-up. I mean, you've actually... I, I think it's the bravest and possibly most ridiculous thing a single human being can do. Uh, why, you, why do you want to do that? Uh, because my, I feel my whole life uh, is a bit of stand-up, really. And also... The anecdotes of my life lend themselves to stand up. And to be honest, the audiences are so warm. I did it at the Backyard Comedy Club. That's where I do all my stand-up. And I imagine no-one would turn up and it'd be tumbleweed. Honestly, there's queues around the block of just very sweet people who are, f- are full of affection. and uh, uh, Rather like I'm an old relic, it doesn't really matter. And honestly, I only have to stand on stage and say jumpsuit and people laugh. It's it's. I find it very... It's a very lovely, warm, and engaging way to spend an evening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, is it nostalgia that makes people laugh along with the jumpsuit concept? Because, but I mean, we also do need to make very clear: you look amazing. Now, oh. I know we don't want to make a big thing of this because your age is sort of both irrelevant and, I'm afraid to say, quite relevant. Um, how would you get me out of this particular wookie hole I've dug myself? Well, into? I would ask I'd the question: do you, do you feel a pressure to maintain a certain no. level of perfection, Annika? No, I know, but thank you very much. I'm not feeling that person at all. Um, I didn't, that wasn't a relevant cough. It just was a genuine cough. I wasn't sort of clearing my throat thinking, oh God, let's get rid of this conversation. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm not into um, anything like that. You know, it's not my area of expertise. I've still got the same makeup bag, largely I've had since I was about 21. In fact, I've even got a Mary Quant lipstick in there. What colour is it? What shade? Pinking sheer. Do you remember that? No, I don't no? remember it, but it's lovely. So I, I love the really names. So I haven't really updated. And in fact, on um, it's very sweet because on this series of Challenge, the production team obviously thought, God, she might need some hair and makeup help. I've never had that on any shoot I've ever done, like Treasure Hunter Challenge. There's just no sort of makeup lady going, before you carry on building yeah. that wall, could I just powder your So there your is nose? there is genuinely no one there zhuzhing you up? Well, there was for about an hour and it just didn't work as a concept because, of course, I was never there. You know, it just didn't work. So um, she, we, we um, she she went off home after midday on the first day because there was just patently no need for it. And if you look at the programme, you know, we're filming in the winter. It's pouring with rain. I've got 84 layers on. Um, it's not high glamour, is it? No, um, it's not. But it it's is not. lovely. And it's it's a rather joyous show, which is why it was a, it was a success last time. So um, I imagine Channel 5 are hoping for big, big well, numbers we've put, this time. Uh, we've put out as the first one a sort of animal sanctuary. It's lovely. I chose that because I thought it would be good to dilute me with a lot of dogs. That was Annika Rice, and you can watch Annika's Challenge on Channel 5 from this Saturday, the 18th of March. And she does do self-deprecating very well, doesn't she? She's a very, very funny and clever woman, actually. Yeah, the line, I thought it would be good to dilate me with a lot of dogs, Yeah, is a good one. I have to say, there are some unbelievably cute dogs in the first episode. Lightning, um, the little whippet. Yes. Um, the, 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 what was the big cuddly, the, the white cuddly one? Oh, uh, I can't remember, Peggy. sorry. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, and somebody had to have hydrotherapy and, oh, it's it's very cheering. Um, I mean, you won't be in on a Saturday night because you're hip and happening, but you can always watch it on my five, can't you? <laughs> you can. I'm yeah. always in on a Saturday night, actually. Just waiting for the taxi driver mum service to begin. Oh, yeah. Yes, that. Yep. So you can't have a drink either. You've got to stay sober in case there's a call to <sighs> go and get a young one. Uh, so I might apply for an Uber licence, actually. I think it'd be good. A healthy way for me to be spending my weekends. Who have we got on the show next week, Garv? Asma Khan is our guest on Monday. And Asma is, well, she's a, a chef, but she's rather more than that, isn't she? She is a UN food ambassador and she's just come back from a visit to Lebanon where she has been meeting some of the thousands of Syrian refugees who are in the, the camps over there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. And we, we do try to mix up the guests on both the live radio show and the podcast because it can't all just be showbiz, can it? We oh, do, darling, it can't it, be. Can't no, be. No, darling, we can't be. get stuck in that no, rut. We don't want to be stuck in the shipper's <laughs> rut. Far from it. Right. I'm off. Uh, have a very, very good, 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 good evening because you can join us tomorrow as well. Yes, uh, what she said. Goodbye. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live, uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.